0: Okay, this is the hardest part of any role playing game. Who wants to be the dungeon master?
1: I do. Me, you, me. Could be. Everyone. We could aid a desperate town in their hunt for a savage beast,
0: or sail
2: to a hidden isle full of talking turtles. I love turtles. We're tracking down a band of pirates to save your best friend.
0: Five DMs, five great ideas. I guess we'll have to play them all. Hey. Set sail with us for a podcast adventure full of music, laughter, and friendship on Dice Populi. Hello! Welcome to Dice Populi! We play games and tell stories together. There are five of us playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition with a twist. When a Dungeon Master finishes telling their story, a new Dungeon Master takes over and every adventure is part of a single, overarching campaign. Cool, right? Over the next five minutes, I'll introduce you to our cast, characters, and overall concept set to some of our favorite music from the show. After that, we leave it up to you. Jump into our adventure feet first, or skip the binge and listen to each Dungeon Master recap their story, getting you caught up to where the show is today. So, let's set sail together. I'm Colin. I do a lot of work on the show, but most importantly, I help tie everybody's story together. Right now, that story is Dicey Waters, a seafaring adventure of escaped prisoners making their way through a string of lawless islands under the thumb of a distant mage lord empire. Separated by a great magical barrier called the Tear, these isles are cut off from civilization and overrun with magic, mystery, and dangers untold. It's here, in the Badlands, that our prisoners unite and sail off in search of home Purpose and friendship. Add in some sound design, hours of original music, and a vibrant community, and you got yourself a podcast. The story of Dicey Waters wouldn't be possible, though, without our whole crew. So let me introduce you to my friends, Ryan, Matt, Josh, Pat, and Chowder. Who's up first? Hi, I'm Ryan Mossbarger, and
1: I am the second dungeon master of the Dicey Water campaign of Dice Populi. I'm also the community manager. And handle most of our social media stuff i play cult a spunky evil libertarian necromancer just trying to have it all undead armies lots of friends no taxes all that sort of thing so uh yeah that's that, that's me and him uh, very different i don't raise anybody from the dead i also believe taxes can be a good thing uh i'm josh uh i'm a figment of your imagination And, uh, I'm very excited to be playing D&D with you guys. I've been playing D&D since I was like 14, 15, 13, 12, I don't know. I am playing an Oath of the Crown Paladin for a fallen kingdom, so... Hello, I am Sir Edmund Montgomery Blackwood. I will find an heir, I will rally the people to overthrow the Kasani, and I will restore peace and order. Um, He's a half-elf, you know, uh, interracial child there, but he is lawful good still. He upholds his oath whenever he can, um, trying to spread light in the darkness, and he is a dexterity-based paladin. Yeah, that's me.
3: Hey, everyone. My name is Matt, and I am the fourth Dungeon Master for the Dicey Waters campaign of Dice Populi. Along with editing our episodes, I also play as Maeve, the wild magic sorceress who's just coming to terms with her powers and abilities.
2: Howdy. My name's Pat, and I play a dragonborn fighter named Locke. Locke comes from a rough-and-tumble neighborhood on the mainland, where he got mixed up with a local ne'er-do-well organized crime syndicate known as the Black Tide. When his wife found out about all this, she left and took their daughter with her. Broken-hearted and ready to put the blame on anybody but himself, Locke tried to sabotage the Black Tide, only for the organization to sell him out to the authorities in order to duck the heat from their latest job. As punishment for his crimes, Locke was sent to the Badlands to stew in his sins for the rest of his days. Locke likes to get a little bit uh, nostalgic with Matt's character, Maeve, because she reminds him of his daughter. Locke also starts getting mixed up in magic. Even though he's a fighter, he starts learning some spells, uh, and he becomes an eldritch knight, which is a lot of fun, and I really enjoy playing him.
4: Hi there, my name is Timel Chowdhury. My friends like to call me by my nickname Chowdhury. You can call me by whichever you prefer. So, I'm a newcomer to Dice Populi. The other guys asked me if I wanted to join in. I gleefully said yes. I love D&D, and I was enjoying Dice Populi as a fan before they asked. So, it was a no-brainer. I played the Devil May Care bandit Jetta in Dicey Waters, and the hyper-aggressive Glory Seeker Ganjarel in Entrenched. I've also done some of the artwork for Dice Populi since I've joined. And that's really all you need to know about me. I hope the stories and art I have to give to you bring you a lot of joy. So,
0: yeah. There you have it. We are the people of Dice Populi, each playing characters, DMing adventures, and shaping the world of Dicey Waters in a unique, sometimes emotional, and always hilarious way. If you're ready to take in the Badlands for yourself, dive right in pause this episode right now and listen to chapter one, Escape from Farpoint. Find the link in this episode's show notes or scroll to the beginning of your podcast feed to start your journey with Colt, Locke, Edmund, and Maeve. Now, if you prefer your podcast spoiler free, hit pause right now. Anybody still with me? Good. Buckle up because for the next 20 minutes, each Dungeon Master will recap their entire adventure. No need to binge hours of podcasts just to keep up with your cool friends. After the full recap, jump ahead to Chapter 71, The Highlands. That's also linked in the notes below. As is the first episode of Each and Every Adventure, so if you hear a recap that stands out to you as a story you just gotta hear more about, Scroll down, tap the link, and dive in wherever you think is best. You can learn more about each adventure, character, artwork, soundtracks, and even other shows on DicePopuli.com. We'll update this recap in the future when we finish new adventures, and we trust that you'll go through the backlog later. Right? Right? Escape from Farpoint is the first adventure in the tale of Dicey Waters, a prologue for our tale and a way to introduce all our players before the big stories get underway. It's only three episodes long, chapters one, two, and three, but it packs a punch. It was written and DM'd by me, Colin. here's what happened. Our four characters, Locke, Edmund, Maeve, and Colt, awaken in the Badlands a large patch of islands blocked off from the mainland by a massive, mysterious barrier known as the Tear. They were brought here by the mage lords, the empire on the mainland that banished them here. They all got here by different means, but they're still imprisoned together. With quick thinking and deft magic, they escape their cell and befriend a friendly giant named Bell and an off-putting pale elf named Bait. They learn that they are on Farpoint, a far-flung isle run by the Farlord Barklock, a brutal orc leading a band of pirates, scavengers, and mercenaries. With Bell's help, they slip out of the prison yard and pass the guards to retrieve their weapons and gear when somebody notices the prisoners are missing. The Farlord attacks the gentle giant and the prisoners spring into action. After a hard-fought battle, bait is thrown off a deadly cliff and Bell's life is lost, but the Farlord is defeated. The nearby troops force the prisoners to flee the camp. Cult takes the giant's skull, sets fire to all the docked ships but one, and they sail to freedom. But what does freedom mean in a place like this?
1: I have the auspicious position to kind of discuss our first Above Board episode. Above Boards are interludes between our main adventures... So we can kind of bridge together the two different DMs and the two different arcs. The first one, of course, being uh, post-Far Point. The crew is being chased down by a menacing vessel, only to learn that the pirates aboard are not hostile, but after something entirely different. With new allies and Captain Bottlebrew and his crew, Edmund, Locke, Maeve, and Cult resupply and continue on their way to a nearby island for refuge, before a sickening smell and the sound of flies rises on the wind. In the distance, they see Stoneholm as they approach coming in on the horizon the town is in hurried motion and almost at once a few people stop and shout a boat making the entire town basically come to a standstill moving into the adventure proper it came in the night the adventure begins with the crew trying to find a safe way to leave the ship without being swarmed by desperate villagers begging for passage cult stays behind so he can drop them off in a quick pass and guard the boat the crew begin to search for answers among the villagers and guards of the town and quickly learn the reason for the town's seeming madness they have been terrorized by a monstrosity dubbed the beast almost every two to three days it kills a villager in grotesque fashion and it just disappears into the night it has been doing this for months and those with the ability to leave already have leaving the remnants stranded the crew decides to make contact with the local leader the stone lord alison ricard at her villa they also meet the meager gnome guard Toddley and the fervent attendant, De Locke manages to get drunk somehow, and the group as a whole manage to really offend the Stone Lord, but relent just shy of treason and accept to help the town kill the beast. The crew begin to cobble together some clues and explore Stonehome. They make contact with a guard who witnessed the beast firsthand, and he gives them a grave warning. From there, they hatch a plan to create a raffle for seats on their boat a ruse of sorts to draw the remnants of the town to a central location and use them as bait. Father Siwin, the leader of the local temple of Kellish in the town square, agrees to help them. Things work almost according to plan until the beast actually shows up, causing the locals to basically freak out and mob into the church for protection. Fortunately, first bad turn that takes place, Edmund is quickly downed by the beast, not even a fair fight. Uh, followed shortly by Maeve, through the just pure bad luck of a wild magic search, accidentally killing a large portion of the townspeople as they're trying to make it into the church, a slaughter of their own making. The group, seeing the writing on the wall of their deeds, quickly flee into the wilderness and find the possible trail of the beast. It leads them to a spire-like peak at the center of the Isle of Stone, and uh, it ends up being the burial chambers of Stone Lord's past. They find a destroyed tomb and a mysterious stranger, an amused beast in human form, and who happens to be the long-lost brother of the Stone Lord, his name, Bellerin Ricard. They make a deal with the beast to help dethrone Alice and Ricard to stop the slaughter and for a safe passage off the island. After taking a moment to search for useful items and, the, and rest, they decide to venture back into town to see the damage and make contact with a friend, cult. They try their best to disguise themselves, some doing much better than others. The town has devolved into chaos as they burn their dead and destroy their homes in desperate attempts to build rafts to escape the island. After a quick meeting with Cult to discuss their plan and steps forward, they venture into town to gather supplies and make a ghastly discovery. Father Siwin has been beaten and left for dead for his part in the massacre. With heavy hearts, they patch his wounds and decide to go see the Stone Lord. They meet up with the Beast again, surprised, uh, outside the villa, and he tells them he knows of a secret way into and out of the villa and only needs them to set a trap for his arrival. They mean to double-cross the Beast, of course, and instead of a trap for Allison, they will set an ambush for him. But it devolves quickly as Allison does not trust them, and they begin to squabble and fight. The fight is short-lived before the Beast appears, and a great battle ensues between all the opposing forces. And after failing to impart a grave sickness on his sister, The beast falls and dies. Dasan decides to leave the service of the Stone Lord after she orders the death of the group, even though they had just saved her life and also were trying to warn her of what was about to happen. The Stone Lord rule no longer absolute. Dasan is unsure of their future and the future of the town. All they know is that they have no more room for the Stone Lord, and that it would probably be best if the group left quickly. And so they did, hopefully, to happier adventures in the future.
0: In the next above board, after leaving Stoneholm, the crew reunites with the pirate ship Liberty. Far worse for wear. Tired and dreary, cult spirits are lifted when Captain Bottlebrew takes him on an assault of a Magelord vessel, wrecking the ship and claiming the spoils. Edmund, a bastard of Ilion, discovers a kinship with Bottlebrew while Locke and Maeve have a magical adventure all their own. With renewed vigor, the Belend and her crew sail off again in search of a home when a large storm on the horizon bears down on them faster than expected. Now, he couldn't be here for this recording, but this is where Josh takes over the ship and steers us into Trouble in Paradise, our third and wildest adventure. The storm ravages the End and its crew, breaking the ship and casting them ashore on a previously unseen island. Gasping for breath, they gawk at the storm wall surrounding the island and the giant birds carrying desiccated mage lord vessels overhead. That's right, birds big enough to pick up a boat. Uh, A triton native named Kaimana emerges from the trees. Edmund, wounded by a beast from the depths beneath the storm, is rushed to a village of friendly tortles, tritons, and races from all across the Badlands. For those who don't know, tortles are... Big turtles, and they're big fun. Nanotortle, the village elder, sends Colt, Locke, and Maeve to the Elder Tree to retrieve a fruit that may save Edmund's life. A nest to the great birds, the tree is littered with ships and structures, in which they find the captive elf, Bait. That's me. Uh, with nowhere else to go, Bait joins the climb up the tree before, unceremoniously, falling hundreds of feet into the brush below. Without him, they summit the elder tree, only to be confronted by a baby rock, one of the great birds, and only just escape the tree with their lives, and the fruit barely intact. Colt, Locke, and Maeve regroup at the village to find Bait struggling to walk, and return the broken fruit to Nana. Her potion stirs Edmund's breath before he passes away in the hut, devastating the crew. In the calm twilight, they grieve, but Nana offers hope. The great spirit within the island may save him. The turtles do not live on an island at all, it turns out, but on an ancient celestial turtle. Colt loves turtles, so this is uh, kind of his jam. Uh, traditional festivities begin, uh, stories, contests, shows, and fireworks that elicit a pearl of power from the island. With hope in their hearts, the crew makes their way to the great being's head with Edmund's body, sacrificing the pearl with a plea from Maeve. Power flows into Edmund, reincarnating him in the body of a white-haired high elf with new mind and purpose. And with new purpose, he decides to remain in Turtle Bay. With heavy hearts, Maeve, Locke, Colt, and Bait decide to leave the island with no clue as to how. A village child's toy ship catches Maeve's eye, a magically imbued vessel that bends to its owner's will. In her hands, a new bellend forms. The Friendship, in honor of Edmund, who waves goodbye as the Great Rocks carry them over the storm, and away from Turtle Bay, forever.
3: Now, where we last left off, our band of adventurers had just said farewell to Sir Edmund Montgomery and the Island of the Tortles. On the way back to meet Captain Bottlebrew, they found that the captain was being boarded by a Mage Lord ship. With the help of some stinky summons and fireballs by Cult, the Liberty was able to escape the mage lords with the party in tow. Bottlebrew then revealed his ultimate plan, to breach the tear and return to the mainland. His next request of the adventurers was simple, to check on a delivery of reinforcements that had been delayed for a while. Thus, Cult, Locke, and Bait set sail to the island of Arianor. Here, we enter my adventure, A Second Chance. As Lock, Colton and approached Arianor, they encountered a shipwrecked man battling a vicious shark. The man was Cordell, a friend of Captain Bottlebrew who was on his way to deliver the ship parts so desperately needed. Upon returning Cordell to the island, they met his wife Lori with a predicament. Their son, Byron, had gone missing in the night. Tasked with locating Byron in exchange for the ship parts, the adventurer set out to explore the island. Now, something they quickly realized was that Arianor was a mage lord colony, prized for its shipbuilding assets. They would have to be careful in order to attract the least amount of attention while visiting. Their explorations had them follow a set of wagon tracks outside of town to an abandoned cave where they discovered signs of a struggle. Further exploration of the cave led to an ancient elevator that descended deep into the ground. After narrowly escaping the elevator as it broke mid-descent. The crew found themselves in a dark tunnel where they battled a hungry gelatinous cube. And let me be clear, when I say battled, I mean lock sliced it to bits with the power of his belt of cloud giant strength. Thanks, Josh. After the cube got fucking dumpstered, they found a fountain filled with a silvery water-like fluid that let everybody relive bits of their past. Their reminiscing was interrupted, however, by the appearance of a hook-nosed man carrying an older gentleman through a portal in the room. Upon pursuing the strange couple through the portal, the party found themselves deep in the stronghold of the mage lords. After collecting some magic contraband, they managed to escape the keep to a sight to behold. The town of Arianor was aflame and under attack by a band of bandits. Suddenly, a white light flashed through the sky, blinding everyone and everything. When the party came to, they discovered that Arianor was whole once more and that everything had returned back to its original state. The adventurers had become stuck in a time loop. Suspicious of the mage lords and their intentions, the party decided to investigate the mage lord's stronghold. With the persuasion of some baked goods, they were allowed entry into the keep. They discovered that Arianor had an unfortunate history of children disappearing. Byron was not the first. The party then ventured into the jail cells below the keep and discovered the old man seen the day before. The old man was revealed to be Byron, somehow aged beyond recognition. The three combined their powers to break Byron from his cell. Cult, raising a slain guard and naming the zombie Jerry. Bait, transforming into a giant octopus? Locke, carrying Bait along. Successfully escaping the keep, the party fled to the forest where they ran into the bandits about to attack the town, making acquaintances with their leader, Masak. The team turned and attacked the Mangeloid Keep until the day reset itself once more. The third day began with the party convincing Cordell to not sail into the shark-infested waters and sailing to his potential death. They then went searching for the bandit encampment, which they discovered near the cave. Meeting with Masak again, they formed a new plan, to ambush the hook-nosed man in the fountain room hidden deep in the ground. After venturing to the cave and setting their trap, they sprung it when the hook-nosed man appeared. The man revealed himself to be Karon Strauss, second in command of the mage lords on the island, and the culprit behind the missing children of Arianor. Strauss was siphoning their life force into himself with the goal of replacing the island's patron god, Lema, After a tense battle, the adventurers successfully defeated Strauss and brought an end to the time loop and returned Byron, young once again, to his family.
2: That brings us to our latest Above Board episode. The Friendship returns from Arianor to find Maeve and Florence, the best of pirate buddies, while Captain Bottlebrew and Dennis prepare to put their secretive plans to the test, outfitting the Liberty to breach the tear itself. He orders the ship to the center of the Badlands, where a second magical barrier swirls before them, stunning the Friendship's crew. The Liberty dives in headfirst, barely surviving the test and leaving Maeve adrift in the ocean. Locke dives in to save her, but not before a pirate ship corners their weakened vessel, captures the dragonborn, and speeds into the distance, leaving a sickly odor in its wake. After the above board, we move into my adventure called Locked and Loaded. Lock is missing, the Liberty is damaged, and the spirits of Cult, Mave, and Bait are low. They pull into port at the Isle of Berger, one of many small islands between the pirate-invested rivers of the central badlands. In a tavern, the crew learn from a half-orc named Jeddah that Locke's old pirate syndicate, the Black Tide, thrives in these parts. They are given a heading by a strange halfling offering them help, but questions are cut short by a sudden brawl, where Maeve's wild magic and cult's brain-dead bear shape leave the bar soaked in blood and covered in flames. Down the river, Colt, Maeve, Bait, and Jetta sail the friendship past lurking vessels, toward their only lead to Locke, a massive hideout called Crinklesnoot Caverns, named after the fearsome pirate Commodore Crinklesnoot. Hoping to find their friend, they quickly realize he is not there, but something far more deadly is. Past brainwashed cultists, rickety railways, and puzzling paths, they disturb the treasure hoard of Commodore Crinklesnoot himself, now a mindless djinn with a murderous lust. Barely defending themselves, they plunder the loot before the halfling stranger emerges, thanking them for freeing their old crew and giving them the map they needed all along. The location of the Black Tide Hideout. Bait distrusts their sticky-fingered new crew member, but Jetta takes a liking to Colt and Maeve over their days of sailing. At the hideout, they brace for a reunion, but not the one they expected when Tony Lyons from Turtle Bay and Locke's old cohort sailboards up to the ship. Word of the Black Tide's deeds have spread, and Tony offers to help them breach the perimeter. Past the guards, they discover quarters for forced laborers, and ready their plans when a never-before-seen vessel breaks through the surface of the water. The ship's creator is liberated from his captors, urging the crew to board his submarine design, also known as the Tide Pod. Regrouping under the waves, they infiltrate the poorly designed plumbing, and find their way to Locke's cell, where he sings to himself, disheveled and malnourished. Maeve's heart is warmed by their meeting, and she wastes no time breaking him out, while Colt wastes no time dispatching an entire cafeteria of gabagool-hungry pirates and capturing their souls for their power. On the way out, they're stopped by the Black Tide's leader, Kizo. Locke's old boss lays him clean out, nearly dead, when the crew rallies to put Kizo down for good. Colt's soul-powered staff questions him before his spirit departs, telling Locke that his family is alive but they don't remember who he is. Locke says hello and goodbye to Jetta, who plans to sell the Tide Pod schematics to buy her land back from the pirates that stole it. He tells Bate, I know what you did. But the greasy elf seems remorseless. For what? Nobody seems to say. He shakes Tony's hand as his old mainland friend plans to reshape the tide into something better for the Badlands. Finally, he watches proudly as Maeve reshapes the friendship into a Tide Pod all their own. Singing to himself, he boards the sub as they sail away, reunited at last.
4: The Saucy Onion is open for business. The tavern at Burger Island is rebuilt and the crew tops off before their next adventure. Inside, Locke, Colt, and May find Bottlebrew, celebrating the repair of his ship, leading the bar on, and divulging his past over a pint. Bate and Florence chat wistfully at the docks. They soon spot torches on the horizon. In a flash, the tavern is full of major lords led by Admiral Cahoo Dick. He seeks Captain Bottlebrew and subdues the others for good measure. Below decks, they ride out a journey through the inner tear they stand a band of prisoners once again.
0: Here we transition from this above board into Chowder's adventure called Meant to Be. Captured and ordered by Admiral Kahutek to retrieve
4: an artifact from a salt spire on the island of Nar and Yal, Kalt, Locke, Maven, Bait, find the wasteland covered in strange pink crystals. Upon exposure to magic, The crystal sends them to a past version of the island. The island's past is vibrant, luscious, and full of ancient druids and mage lords. It is also the home of Bait. Jumping through time again, the prisoners don't get far before discovering deadly abominations and a dangerous warlock hunting them. In the ruins of the mage lord castle, they capture the hunter, Arlen, a native of the isle like Bait, who has lived untold years through broken time with the help of a godly spirit named Galagath. Locke reveals that it was Bate who turned him over to the Black Tide, and they turn instead to Arlen for guidance. He leads a lengthy dungeon dive of the castle, discovering a captured djinn that provides magic rings to shield the prisoners from corrupted time. On his own in the past, Bate speaks to his master, Osmeros, who tells of the godly war between the twin gods of time, Azagar and Asmagath. Armed with knowledge and protection, the prisoners approach the Salt Spire. Within, Galagath says the disaster that broke the Badlands was an attempt to slay Asmogath by splitting him into three, Seraphina, Lema, and Galagath. In the past, the Mage Lord Emperor readies his plan, but is stopped by Maeve's wild magic and the quick thinking of her friends. When the dust settles in the present, the Isle of Nar and Yal now resembles the Highlands of old. Arlen and Osmeros greet their heroes, and a new age settles
0: upon the world. That is the adventure of Dicey Waters so far. You now know everything you need to know to jump in with us at Chapter 71 of the podcast. This is where the new age begins, the final adventure of Dicey Waters, Also, right before that are some fun character prologues, standalone episodes that will teach you all about the heroes that you will follow through the end of Dicey Waters with us. But the story keeps on going. If you're curious about the past, our old stories are ready and waiting. If, like us, you're curious about the future, stick around and see where the journey takes us. Welcome to Dice Populi, to our community, and welcome to the Badlands.